Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is Monday, December 27th, 2021, or 2AC, Anno Covidi, the year of the new normal. And today I wanted to try and make some sense of what's going on with the Omicron variant. I guess the first thing to straighten out is the name of the variant, which is Omicron, after the Greek letter. All the variants have been named after Greek letters, Alpha, Lambda, Delta, and this one is named Omicron. I don't know why so many people are having trouble pronouncing it. A lot of people are calling it Omicron. I don't know if that's a pun but it doesn't seem to be. So at least we can straighten that out. I think really that the news reporting has been reliable on the name of the variant. And that's about it. Because other than that, I can't make any sense of what they want us to think. On one hand, I guess we're supposed to be very afraid of this new variant because they want us to be afraid enough to go and get a a booster shot or your first vaccination if you haven't gotten one already. Now, at the same time, it's always dangerous to push the fear too hard when such a high percentage of adults are already vaccinated in the United States. You wouldn't want people to think that the vaccines don't work. So it's very difficult to try and figure out, even assuming the worst about the news media, what part, if any, of what they're reporting is true and which part is either false or so misleading that it would lead anyone to assume something that is false. Now, I've been watching the news media for quite a long time, and it's never been 100% reliable. And of course, it's always had an implicit bias. A lot of people say a liberal bias. I uh, tend to think it's more of an establishment bias. It's more of a statist bias, because, of course, I remember the Iraq war when The news definitely was not skewed liberal, at least as far as anti-war liberals were concerned. It was very much waving the pom-poms for the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, and then the Iraq war. But you can always depend on the news to come down on the side of the establishment Republicans or the establishment Democrats. 
but it seems like we've really entered a whole new era as far as the unreliability of the news media. It really is almost to the point where satire is impossible these days. When you read some of the headlines and compare that to observable reality all around you, you feel like you're in the middle of a satire. Now, of course, headlines are not always representative of what's in the actual article. If you're really that interested, you can go through the article and find out how much the headline might be sensationalizing the information that's inside. But lately, it seems, no, the information inside the article is about as reliable as some of the wackiest headlines. But I wanted to give you a little observation that has been helpful to me. Now, I used to be able to just go to the liberal sites like NBC News or CNN and see what they had to say about something and then maybe go over to Fox and find out what they were saying and compare the two things or at least compare what one side thought was important and what the other didn't. And really, that's out the window these days. It's almost as if there's just nothing you can put your finger on to try and determine is any of what I'm reading true? Is it just spun? Is it completely fabricated? So as far as this Omicron variant is concerned, that almost seems like it's the case. But I wanted to let you in on a little hack, if you will, that I've noticed. And that is that when they're trying very hard to convince you of something, and of course, news reporting is not supposed to be convincing you of anything. It's supposed to be supposedly just reporting the facts, just the facts, ma'am. I think we can all agree that if that was ever true, it's not true anymore. And, and I have some skepticism whether that was ever true. But let me call your attention to a couple of reports and we'll see if we can put them together to try to figure something out here about this new variant. Of course, today's headline, December 27th on CNN, uh, Travel Nightmare, Another 2,000 Flights Canceled Monday. And the article says that of the nearly 2,200 canceled flights, more than 700 were within, into, or out of the United States, according to FlightAware. More than 3,000 flights are delayed. And they're attributing this to people calling in sick with the new Omicron variant. Now, it's already established by the news media, at least by December 20th, the Omicron variant made up 73% of all new cases. And of course, this is a week later, so we have to assume that percentage is getting even higher. So this is the Omicron variant that's causing all these people to call in sick. But also according to the news media, we still only had one death in the United States. Now, of course, there's a lag between people getting sick or being infected with the virus and eventually dying from it. Just wait two weeks. Remember when we heard that over and over in 2020 and even in 2021. But if even by a week ago, this made up 73% of all new cases, shouldn't we have more than one death in the United States? Now, there, there may have been more. I'm only aware of one from the COVID variant that has been confirmed, let's say it's five times as many of that. Let's say it's five. Obviously, this would be a very low mortality rate. But let's look at another number, and that is hospitalizations in the U.S. Now, 
At the beginning of this year, we were at the peak for cases, hospitalizations, and deaths for COVID-19. We got our first full flu season after the emergence of COVID-19. And I just wanted to call out a couple of numbers that are useful in comparison. Now, right now, daily new cases are starting to surge to close to what they were at the peak last year. And I'm looking uh, at a couple of different sources. I'm just using Worldometer, which is pretty good as far as big global numbers are concerned. And it looks like last year, cases in the United States on a daily basis, new cases peaked somewhere around January 8th at 306,314. In fact, that might be exactly the peak date of daily new cases. Now, December 23rd is the latest they have numbers for, and it looks like cases are surging in the United States. And of course, we have all the usual caveats with measuring cases and whether somebody with no symptoms who tests positive using the PCR test is a quote-unquote case. But let's just go with those numbers. December 23rd, 267,269. And looking at this curve, it seems to be going kind of parabolic, and it may very well reach the number or exceed the number of daily cases that we saw in January of this year. However, if you compare what I consider a more important number now to what we saw in January of this year, and and that is hospitalizations, you've got quite a different story going on. And I'm going to use the CDC's rates of COVID-19 associated hospitalization, and I'll link to this on the show notes page. The way they have it broken down, which is very helpful, actually, they have the hospitalizations per week. And they have it broken down by age. And you can also click for an overall number. And when you look at how hospitalizations were going back in January of this year, it looks like they peaked for the overall population at just around 20 per 100,000 of the population hospitalized for the week ending January 9th. That's curious because, as we said, cases peaked. I think on January 8th or 9th, I just had looked at that number, and it doesn't really make sense with the narrative that cases and hospitalizations would peak on the same day or during the same week. You would think that hospitalizations would peak maybe a week or two after, just wait two weeks. But in any case, those are the numbers as reported. And on that week, uh, the week ending January 9th, I should also say that for the population over 65, hospitalizations were just about 70 per 100,000. So more than three times as great a hospitalization rate for 65 and over people. When you look at these curves, they tell quite a story at how much worse this is for people over 65. When you get down to people 50 to 64, that hospitalization rate was just about 30 or maybe under 30 per 100,000 of the population. So this is the absolute worst week of the pandemic by far as far as hospitalizations go. And now let's come back over to this month. So we knew that at least a week ago, 
73% of all cases are Omicron cases, according to our reliable national media. But a funny thing is going on with hospitalizations. They seem to have peaked for the general population at about 12 per 100,000, and that was the week ending December 4th. The week after that, the week ending December 11th, were just slightly lower than that, still a little bit above 10%. And of course, we may not have reliable data for this last week, but nothing near the hospitalizations that we saw last January when cases were just a little bit higher. So we'll see. We should have a lot of people in the hospital. Now, they're telling us that the hospitals are overwhelmed. So you would expect that since they were not overwhelmed during the peak of the crisis last flu season in January of 2021, that there must be a lot more hospitalizations. Of course, we know that's not true. The hospitals are experiencing stress, and I do have some firsthand anecdotal confirmation of that from a friend who had to visit the hospital but it's not because there's more people being admitted. It's because there's less people working there. That's due to so many people having been fired for refusing to get the COVID vaccine. And speaking of the vaccines, another thing that jumps out about this hospitalization chart, and this is confirmed by the deaths from COVID charts that you look at as well, is that hospitalizations, again, peaked the week ending January 9th. 2021, and, and they've never come anywhere near that level since. Even our peak in March of 2020 was not close to that, and neither is the present peak, if this indeed does turn out to be the peak. And of course, they'd probably want to attribute the decrease in hospitalizations to the vaccines, but it's a funny thing. Whenever they want to pitch you one idea, they reveal a little bit of truth about a different one. And I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not, given the just bizarre behavior of at least the national media and most local media, you might want to look at what they say about one thing and see how it affects what they're saying about another. And I want to call attention to an article that was published in January of 2021. This was January 26, 2021. So we're well past the peak in hospitalizations for COVID. And in fact, after that week ending January 9th, it plummets in a straight line. And there is nothing along that line that would indicate that anything changed other than the wave of the virus ended on its own. But on January 26, CNN says, white people are getting vaccinated at higher rates than black and Latino Americans. And it goes on to give some numbers. It says, a CNN analysis of data from 14 states found vaccine coverage is twice as high among white people on average than it is among black and Latino people. The analysis found that on average, more than 4% of the white population has received a COVID-19 vaccine, about 2.3 times higher than the black population, 1.9% covered, and 2.6 times higher than the Hispanic population, 1.8% covered. Black and Latino Americans are already dying of COVID at three times the rate of white people and being hospitalized at a rate four times higher, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
And then the article goes on to say that the rollout of the vaccine has been chaotic. And remember, while Donald Trump was still president, I think maybe for one more day, and of course, they wanted to disparage the way the government had handled the vaccine rollout as much as possible, and also imply that there was some kind of racial bias in the way that vaccines were made available to people. Whether that's true or not, one thing that they do report that I I suspect is true is that the vaccination rate over the whole population was somewhere between 2 and 4%, since you've got the black and Latino population both under 2% and the white population around 4%. The vaccines had not made a difference in in combating COVID-19 at that point. And yet after January 8th, with such a low percentage of the population vaccinated, you still have hospitalizations dropping like a stone. And when you look at that chart, there's no place along the chart where you could point and say, oh, that's where a significant percentage of people became vaccinated. So it really doesn't support the idea that the vaccines made much of a difference. Now, I'm not saying that they don't produce antibodies and that that can't protect you. I'm sure that they do. But as far as the story of vaccines causing the end of this pandemic, I think that the charts just don't support that. Okay, everyone, let's take a quick break for this important message. that time of the year again when we're all looking for something special to give friends and loved ones for the holidays. Unfortunately, the government and its bank have worked especially hard this year at doing what they do best, make things more expensive for the rest of us. Well, I have great news. You can get a free copy of my new ebook, An Anti-State Christmas. That's my gift to you in appreciation for listening. But that's not all. I've also made the book available as a paperback at an incredibly low price, so you can get a few copies to give as gifts. It makes a great stocking stuffer. And don't worry, this is not some preachy libertarian treatise. It's full of fun and even includes a special Christmas beverage recipe. Get more information and your free ebook at antistatechristmas.com. I wanted to point out one more bit of media malfeasance here, and this is from Forbes magazine. This article is written by a gentleman named Bruce Lee, uh, a very eminent name, at least for us that are interested in the martial arts. But the headline of this story is Health Advisory. New York City has fourfold increase in children hospitalized for COVID-19 coronavirus. That sounds pretty bad. Fourfold. That's four times the old number. And let me read some of the text of the article. It says, according to the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, New York City has had 114 new hospitalizations for COVID-19 each day over the past seven days. Now, this was published on December 25th, Christmas Day. And then it goes on to say, as of December 16th, so that's a nine-day period, about 1.9% of all COVID-19-related hospitalizations in New York City 
have been children based on data presented by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And he links to that data. But let's do a little math here. So 114 new hospitalizations each day, about 1.9% of all COVID-19 related hospitalizations in New York City have been children. So that is approximately two per day. Two children have been hospitalized over the previous either seven or nine days. Let's take the higher number and say over the past nine days. That's 18 children in the hospital in a city of 8 million people. I don't know what percentage are children, but in the millions. And not to minimize the fact that these kids are sick, but of course, we, we don't know what else they're sick from besides having tested positive for COVID. But we're talking about 18 kids here. So what would this fourfold increase have to be? Doing a little uh, back of the napkin math here, I'm coming up with we had about four or five children in a city of 8 million people that were hospitalized, but now we might have 18. So just let me ask you, his facts may be 100% correct, but do you think a headline that says New York City has fourfold increase in children hospitalized for COVID-19 conveys the message that we're talking about 18 kids in a city of 8 million? Now, of course, the reporter and whoever wrote the headline is getting the fourfold talking point from a health advisory that they link to from New York State that says the same thing. I've looked through this. I can't find any total numbers in here. They just keep quoting percentages. But just using the reporter's own math, if indeed it's been 114 hospitalizations and 2% of them were children, we're talking about 18 hospitalizations. There's no way around that. So that number seems awfully low to me. I would think in a city that big and the way they measure COVID hospitalizations, there would be more hospitalizations in children and even that higher number would be insignificant with such large numbers of population. But getting back to my earlier point, Mr. Lee's purpose in writing this article is to show that unvaccinated children are more likely to be admitted into the hospital than vaccinated children. Now, there's all kinds of problems with making that unqualified statement, but we won't get into those now. My main point is, in trying to show everybody how bad it is not to vaccinate your children, he's inadvertently shown how small and minuscule to the point of being statistically insignificant hospitalizations among children in New York City are. The propensity for the media to use very small numbers to give you very big percentages and convey a message that's misleading at best. And this goes back to the beginning of the pandemic when Anthony Fauci said that a study, and I've got that in air quotes because it was one case, uh, a woman who had purportedly spread COVID-19 to four other people, even though she was asymptomatic, he said that laid the question of asymptomatic spread to rest. How could one case of anything lay anything to rest? Now, it turns out that later that study was retracted because, in fact, the woman did have symptoms. But the whole asymptomatic narrative was born based on that one case, Every study since then has failed to confirm this. The latest one that I know of found that asymptomatic spread was less than 1% 
as compared to 18% for symptomatic people. But who cares? We're going to just keep saying it as if it were true. But pay attention to when the media is trying to convince you of one thing, what they may be saying about another. And as I said in an article I published December 18th, don't believe the government or the media over your own eyes. We can see right now that not a lot of people are dying. Not a lot of people are being hospitalized because of the Omicron variant. I hope that trend stays the same. It's possible that tomorrow a million people will be hospitalized, but you know, it's very unlikely. And I'm hoping that we're going to see the Omicron variant become the more virulent but far less deadly variant of COVID-19 that might just end the pandemic if it's not already over now. But as I said, I'll post the uh, article I wrote on the show notes page. And the, the last thing I wanted to point out about it was that there's all kinds of references to 1984. It's almost like a corollary of Godwin's Law. It's used too much, but it very much applies to this case. And what I wanted to point out in particular about the 1984 reference in that article is that when they're torturing Winston Smith, if you've read the book or even seen the movie with John Hurt, O'Brien holds up four fingers. And what he wants Winston Smith to say is that he sees five. He wants him to say what he knows to be untrue, what he can see with his own eyes is untrue. But it's not enough that Winston Smith say, I see five fingers. Because Smith does say, I see five fingers and the torture doesn't stop. No, it isn't good enough for Smith to just say that he sees five fingers when O'Brien is holding up four. He has to really believe it. And they go on torturing him until he actually believes it. What a great metaphor for what we're going through today. Don't let them do this to you. Don't believe the government or the media over your own eyes. Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. Don't forget to get a free copy of my new ebook, An Anti-State Christmas, at antistatechristmas.com. Of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you normally listen. And please do go to the Tom Mullen Talks Freedom website at tommullentalksfreedom.com and leave a review. And if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.